is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest broadcast, part of the CSG Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Uh, as you notice, my voice is slowly getting better. Uh, it's not uh, nearly the same timber as it was. I think I'm going to have this deep voice for a while, but it's okay because it's sexy. Um, all right. Well, we've had another th- uh, week go by of Nuggets basketball, but I kind of want to focus on something that uh, is a pet peeve of mine. <clears throat> and I've covered this in several podcasts, but I kind of want to go into it a little more and talk about how uh, our coverage of this team um, has been probably, I'm going to talk about Nikola Jokic in, in terms of our coverage. And then in the second part, I will I will talk about what happened the last couple days or so, and then kind of apply that to how Jokic has broken our brains. Um, but it would be it would be it would be interesting to kind of go back and see coverage of Nikola Jokic in 2015. I was still at Denver Stiffs, um, had hadn't completely checked out yet, but I was uh, on the verge. Um, Nate Timmons had just left, and uh, yeah. Andy and I were in a great place, but we basically said to Adam Juarez, uh, you edit the site, we'll sit back and be the people who just uh, are the, the great overseers um, <laughs> of the site. And um, I was still going to games, covering the team. I was down there a lot. And and Jokic was unusual. Um, uh, when Jokic came in, he wasn't, um, even for uh, uh, your passing center, which, um, you know, European passing center, which we'd seen with Arvidas Sabonis and others, um, it wasn't your typical thing because he constantly looked to pass first. Um, even Sabonis would score. <clears throat> and a lot of what we saw um, uh, with, the, with Jokic in this rookie year was the potential by the end of the year, he was basically doing the the Balkan buddy ball thing, uh, Twin Towers, uh, with Nurkic. And then, uh, of course, the following year is when Jokic broke out and all this stuff. But even then, it really was hard for people to catch up to what Jokic is. And I will include myself in that because I just um, didn't seem to be what your typical... Um, prototypical winning NBA player was in 2015, 16, 17, right around there. Um, it really wasn't, at least from what I've what I've been, I've seen. Um, and even to this day, it's not. We have to acknowledge how different Jokic is to every other approach to NBA basketball. And I took, I, I really have been thinking about this since we have. We're talking about other people on this Nuggets team as relative to, uh, um, you know, the way we look at Jokic, particularly potential stars. And um, Jokic, in in a in a large sense, broke our brains. Um, not in a bad way, but in in a in a way that we've gotten used to it, and it kind of has altered the way we look at what amounts to your very typical NBA player. Um, and it has created a a weird uh, kind of dichotomy with the way we talk about 
NBA players and how we look at them as, uh, particularly I would say American NBA players, as how we look at them differently now because of Jokic. Jokic, we have to, if we start off with a baseline with that, Jokic is unusual. He's not your prototypical, quote-unquote, American NBA player. He's not. Um, And here's a good example. Another player who came over from Europe with his more typically NBA is um, one Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic is more in the James Harden mold. Um, so we're not looking at players. I mean, even Victor Wimbanyana, who come who will be coming over next year, more of your typical looking NBA player. I mean, he's you know of course seven foot three and you know can shoot off of one leg at the three point line, but in that sense that he is he is a guy who's going to break you down on the dribble, do all that stuff. That's that he's a, he is your NBA number one with a bullet kind of player. Um, the two-time MVP on the Nuggets is not. Um, he's very much not. But in, in a sense, we, we have become all used to it. We weren't used to it for the first year and a half until it was, what was it, December, 6th, December 15th, 2016, when uh, he became the starter and things changed and the offense kind of came in. It really was starting at that moment, but it, we didn't really get fully used to it until... Um, the seventeen eighteen season when the Nuggets offense was amazing. Uh, Chris Finch was here and uh, the Nuggets missed the playoffs at the end by not being able to really overcome. Uh, that is the last of the Danilo Gallinari. Uh, no, not 18. It wasn't 18. It was 2016-17. That was the year. And it was by the end of the year when Jokic came in was the uh, the second half of that season, when the Nuggets almost made the playoffs, it was the last of the, of the Gallinari years. Gallo moved on to the Clippers after that, and um, the Nuggets fully became Nikola Jokic's team. When you know when Paul Millsap was signed that offseason, and, and yada yada. But this team has been. Um, when we cover this team, we cover it through the lens of Jokic as being the best player. Without a doubt, that's true. We're not talking about, um, we're not talking about a guy who is just the identity of the team, but he's not the best player on the team. Very clearly, he's the best player on the team. But when we, as media members, and people, even even people who aren't media members, uh, people who just cover this team on Twitter, uh, you know, not cover this team, but observe it and comment on Twitter, um, end up looking at everything through the prism of the way Jokic looks at basketball, which by the way is unusual. It's great. Um, and it works for him and it works for that, but it's not right. Quote unquote, because there's many right ways to play the game of basketball. And, but the way Jokic views basketball, we, we tend to absorb ourselves into looking at basketball that way. Um, having a six foot, you know, 10 center who's big distributing the ball at the top of the key is not a, a usual thing. It's not, um, having a player who, uh, is his size controlling the game like he does is not, you know, not usual. In fact, having a player who, uh, doesn't, you look to quote unquote score as much as he does, uh, is unusual. 
um, his view of everyone has to do this, this, and this and on offense is very much indicative and pretty much exclusive to Nikola Jokic. I've said this over and over that uh, Phil Jackson would love Nikola Jokic. Unequivocally, unequivocally. He is the he is the idealized version of what the triangle is going for, right? Um, he's not the scorer that Cha- that Shaq was, but um, the refs and their inability to adequately ref him is very similar to Shaquille O'Neal. Um, but it's it's different. You know, Phil Jackson would have loved Nikola Jokic. Would have loved Nikola Jokic. In, and have him run the triangle. I mean, it, it's like, talk about hand and glove. It would have been uh, his his dream. And uh, But there are, in my view, um, far very few players in the NBA who would fit that mold anymore. I mean, it's not a retro style of the ball because of the way the Nuggets play with all the threes. But it, it is certainly uh, more akin to the motion offenses that the Bulls would run, uh, particularly the 90... 394 season, Jordan's first year retired um, before he came back. So, with all that said, when we talk to Nikola Jokic, and we and we in fact more than any more than that, we look at his body language. We got to understand that it's it's through the it's through the prism of Nikola Jokic looking at basketball differently. Not not necessarily right, not necessarily wrong, but the Nikola Jokic way. And we get sucked into it. And it, it colors our view of other players. Now, say for instance, this team had to go for, and knock on wood that that never happens, but if this team had to go through an extended stretch without Nikola Jokic, this team would look fundamentally different. And they would have to, because there's, Jokic is the only, play, only, only player on this team who plays the way he does. And, and has as much responsibility as he does. The Nuggets would revert into a very typical NBA team. And it would, uh, it would, it would, it would not look the same. Um, Jokic is the only person who plays like Jokic. But when he's out there, we tend to look at other players through his eyes, particularly with his, I mean, I've, I've said this for years. Jokic uh, doesn't hide the way he's feeling. Um, he doesn't hide the way, uh, he thinks of things that players do. Uh, he's very demonstrative and, uh, we look at that and then we immediately start talking about another player, you know, it was like, Oh my God, look at him. Jokic is not, is upset at this person. Where in reality, if you remove that aspect and you remove Jokic from the equation, maybe what that player is doing isn't necessarily anathema to, uh, uh, winning basketball, it's just different. You know, like people always talk about heliocentric, quote unquote, as Seth Partnett would say, uh, players. And um, that's not, that is, that is, that is winning basketball. I may not particularly enjoy it. Um, I may believe that Luka Doncic and James Harden and some other players, uh, Trey Young, who dominate the ball like that and uh, pound out like 15 seconds of a shot clock uh, isn't necessarily conducive to what I would say is pretty basketball. Uh, Let me give you guys an example of why there's multiple ways to win. Um, 
people often point to the 2014 San, San Antonio Spurs as um, something that would be replicable. Um, and let, let me let me all tell you something. There's a re, there's been one offs in basketball history. In fact, there's two big one offs in basketball history that I can point to. First of all, uh, it is the 2004 De- Detroit Pistons. Um, you know, they went to the finals the next year against, ironically, against the Spurs. Um, and they very nearly, if it wasn't for Robert Ory shot, probably would have won that series. But it was very ugly, very, very uh, defensive uh, with uh, Ben, Ben, um, uh, Ben, I was going to say Ben Simmons, Ben Wallace as the center, as a, as a undersized center. Um, and a bunch of good players, not great players, but good players. And that was a good for a one-off against a very compromised uh, Los Angeles Lakers team in 2004. Um, but that was a one-off. I don't know if I don't know. I don't think the Detroit Pistons of 2004 is a replicable thing. Nor do I believe the 2014 Spurs are. Um, that Spurs team was. Uh, what happened was the way they played and the constant throwing around the perimeter um, was designed really largely to take advantage of a aging um, Miami Heat team. And that they were able to do that. And this is the one that comes to mind when people talk about the Denver Nuggets. That 2014 Spurs team was one of those teams that could only work like that. Nine times out of ten, Defenses in the uh, NBA catch up to ball-sharing offenses. Um, Inevitably, you need a scorer. You need a guy who can break you down off the dribble. That's why the Nuggets, I think, kind of suffered without Jamal Murray. Um, Jamal's basically the only guy who can do that. Maybe maybe Bones at this point, but he's still really young. But largely, Jamal Murray not being there really hurt this Denver Nuggets team because he was able to do that. There is a very, um, that is a very um, essential part of being an NBA team uh, is having a guy who's able to just take over. Um, as much as Jokic is able to do that, that's against his as an anathema to the way he thinks about basketball. Um, the Spurs were able to win in 2014, but it was the end of their run by far. Duncan was a shell of his former self at that point. And, um, it really was the end and they caught a Miami heat team that had played a whole bunch of games the previous three seasons, barely won the title the year before against the Spurs who weren't playing exactly like they were, uh, in 2014 and it all came together. But there's a reason why that Spurs team has never been replicated, excuse me. Um, It's because it is a one-off, and one-offs happen all the time in the NBA. Uh, And I'll apply what I'm talking about now with one-offs to the rest of the, (coughs) excuse me, COVID, uh, to the rest of the uh, podcast. But first, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th of Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. Go, go in and get yourself. Uh, I'm sure they've got some holiday uh, specials coming up here. I don't know what the new varietals they got, but uh, look, if you want some of the reds, the whites, um, some blends, the rosés, um, they've got like a 2018 Cabernet, which is only
only available in bottle that uh, you can get there. I highly recommend that. Or you can get the Blake Street Blend uh, in their uh, Merlot, their Syrah. I mean, they've got partnerships with Western Slope wineries. Uh, they got Rieslings from the Western Slope, if you're into that. I mean, they've got everything you need in a one-stop place in Denver, downtown Denver, in a very pretty place. Um Get in there before the weather turns to be really, really, really cold, um, and uh, you'll enjoy yourself a great time. You go to bfwdenver.com, um, book yourself a table, get yourself some swag, or pick yourself up a bottle. They can do that all there. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazine, beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. They are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CHG Podcast I sent you there. Okay, when I talk about one-offs, I'm, I, I'm very specifically talking about that sort of scenario that presents itself as a um, a moment in time. And I brought that up to use as an analogy to look at Nikola Jokic and the way he looks at basketball. Uh, there's only one Nikola Jokic, and there's only one way that the Nuggets are able to play with him, which is why you see some struggles with the second unit, because no one plays like Nikola Jokic. The closest they came, believe it or not, was Mason Plumley. Um, Plum, Plum Dog was able to uh, not necessarily replicate, but he could approximate some things that Jokic did. Um, the Nuggets were able to, uh, I would say that the Nuggets were able to kind of do it, which allowed, actually made the first unit and second unit work better. When Plumlee chose to move on, and it was his choice, um, it really hampered the Nuggets' second unit, and you've seen the results since then. And there is what I'm talking about with the way we view bas- basketball. We think that everything should be like the way Jokic plays. And it's, at this point in the NBA, almost impossible. Uh, it is just, it is, he's, so, he's a one-off. He's unique. There's, there's no, I have yet, I don't, I mean, even with Larry Bird, Larry Bird scored a ton um, Jokic doesn't want to, uh, he would prefer to like last night, um, as of this recording, Nuggets beat the Bulls and he, and Jokic scored eight points and had 12 assists. I, I, he's happy as a kid in punch with that kind of, that kind of thing. He doesn't want to do what Embiid did last night and score 59 points. It is just, that is just not in his DNA. Well, we look at Jokic and we look at how he plays basketball. It really affects the way we talk about other players. Um, and the kind of, uh, almost the, um, uh, patriarchal condescending way we talk about other players specifically. I mean, I keep coming back to it, but, um, Michael Porter Jr. Had a bad game against, uh, a Boston Celtics and the way the discourse on, on, on Mike, who, by the way, that was his first bad game of the season and everyone gets one was just like, almost like you've disappointed me. <laughs> You, you, how can you let down Jokic like this? You have disappointed me. And I, it was so strange. Um, and I think it's because Jokic has broken our brains. We can't look at things like like just people having off nights. And and we didn't take into consideration that, that, that Porter had a... Uh, his hotel room broken into in Indiana and the nuggets were got in like at four in the morning, something like that to Boston. 
And it, it just there was things that, that were contributing to the bad night that he had. But since he had that bad night, it is, it is kind of weird. I mean, we don't talk about Jamal that way. We don't talk about Nicole yet that, that way. It is just, and, and I'm not talking about like criticism like for a bad game. I'm talking about 100% the, the, the condescending pat on the head way we talk about it. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. it. Like he let the entire city of Denver down for one game. It's like, criticize a guy for having a bad game. That's it. I mean, uh, 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 that is fair game. But the, it, it was so bizarre. The tone of it was just like, uh, how could you have let me down? It's what's... It was weird, okay, and and I and I and I've noticed that not only with criticism of Mike, um, Bones gets it too, and the reason I bring this up is that both Porter and Bones Highland are very and two thousand very twenty twenty two typical American NBA players, very, and I think we I mean Jamal is a little different. Jamal's not your Jamal kind of goes into both camps, okay? Um, which is probably why he doesn't get nearly the shit that, that those other two do. But it, it is very interesting to watch the discourse on, you know, Mike and Bones and some others in relation to Jokic. And it's like we can't remove, we can't look at it. I mean, I'm, like I said, criticism is valid, criticism, criticism. But we kind of look at it like he. He, both Bones and and, and uh, Mike just kind of let the team down, and it's really weird. And I, I don't understand it. I mean, I, I knew I, I just going into Boston, I was like, he's gonna have a. After I found out that his hotel room was broken into and he was robbed, I'm like, okay, yeah, this guy's gonna have a bad game. And it turned out that it, that was the 100 percent the truth. And then he ends up uh, um, coming into the Chicago game and having a great game after he had a one two. Th- day separation from whatever happened in uh, Indiana. And I think, you know, as we, as we adjust ourselves and, and Mike has probably has more of these big games and bones, you know, bones plays with a lot of joy. And I think that that is more appealing to people. Uh, Mike is, uh, it's not, like I said, I'm not excusing the, the bullshit that comes out of his mouth or, or the, you know, anything that he may have said about vaccines and anything like that. I'm not, I'm not excusing that. I don't agree with it, but as a basketball player, the, the, the patting on the head thing, which some of it comes from Malone, by the way, and he needs to chill out on that shit, but it, it, it shouldn't go there. Our discourse shouldn't be about who is letting people down. And I think some of it has to do with the one-off nature of Nikola Jokic. We see everything through his eyes now. And some of that is Jokic kind of comes across that way on the basketball court. He comes across like, you are letting me down. He comes across like, oh my God. And the body, you can't get away from the body language. You cannot get do it with Jokic. And I think it does a disservice to... Uh, to the overall discourse of talking about other people on the Denver Nuggets who are not Nikola Jokic, that that we treat them differently than your typical NBA players. Uh, it's not a standard. It's just a uh, an acknowledgement that these guys are trying to fit into uh, something that is not necessarily uh, your typical NBA game. Um, Michael Porter Jr., played a lot of his growing up with Trey Young. And who doubts right now that if 
MPJ was playing with Trey Long, Young that he wouldn't be putting up monster monster scoring numbers. Maybe not defensively, but you know, it's just due to how great great he shoots. Same thing with Bones. Bones, if he was playing somewhere else, I mean, it is just you have to take these things into consideration. And all I'm saying is criticize for the bad games, but don't turn it into the this this weird you let me down thing. Uh, no one let anyone down, especially if they were having their first bad game of the of the year, you know? So, anyway, just an observation from COVID Jeff. All right, thank you all for joining me on the latest podcast. I'll be coming back to you soon with another episode. Goodbye.